Hey, everybody. What's good? I am Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast. And yes, the intro is new. We are still queens, brothers. You guys are still kings and good people. Y'all are still good people. But as I mentioned in the last episode about the evolution of These Three Things Podcast, my show is for everybody. Everybody's welcome. So I'm just coming in saying, hey, everybody, what's good? It's so good to be back. I've been away for a minute. A lot of life has been happening to me since I've been away. So let me fill y'all in super quick so that I can get to today's episode, The Self-Aware Narcissist with my good brother, Leon R. Walker. So let me start here. In the last episode of These Three Things podcast, uh, the title of that episode was The Evolution of TTT. I shared a dream that I had had about Christ returning. And so many of you people have reached out to me regarding that episode and that dream. No, I did not make that up. If you know me, you know I wouldn't even play with God like that and put something out in the universe that is a big fat lie. No, I don't typically dream like that. As a matter of fact, I don't usually even remember my dreams. So this was a bit wild for me as well. Uh, I was going to share the dream a year ago, but wasn't given the release to share it when I sat down to record it. This year, when I remembered with all the stuff that's happening in the world, that I wanted to share the dream, I got released this year to share it. So that's how you guys got it. Uh, as you know, these three things is not a podcast about religion. Now, my spirituality and my love for God definitely shows up on my show. I've had people reach out and tell me that this dream is going to reach a lot of people who needed to hear um, where we are in this world right now and just the realness of Christ returning and that this is not a game and time is not promised to us and time is definitely moving quickly. So thank you guys for all of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and just reaching out to me and sharing uh, about what you thought about that episode. Now, I also, while I've been away, I moved my daughter out to Los Angeles, you guys. <laughs> Woo, let me just tell you, this generation of young people have zero fear. They are not waiting around to get the nerve up to do anything. If they feel like it's the best move for them, they're moving. And to be honest with you, I support that. I do. And it's not that I support it without any trepidation. I love my daughter dearly. She is my right hand. Like a part of me was left out in LA when I left her out there, but my daughter has done all of the right things. I mean, she graduated from college in four years, magna cum laude from Tennessee State University with a political science degree after interning at the Capitol for a senator and a House of Representative. During all of the craziness with the Tennessee Three, she witnessed it all firsthand. Uh, this girl has a work ethic that's crazy and she is an aspiring model. And she talked to a few people about uh, going to New York out of college and in the conversation with those who are already in the industry for what she wants to do in modeling, they said LA is the better scene for you. So she redirected, came to me about it, and I'm like, okay, let's do it. Now, I ain't gonna lie to y'all, I did slide down the wall like for a minute about her moving. Me and her dad <laughs> slid down the wall. We were like, are you ready for this? Do you even know what you're doing? And she just shed her little tears and she was like, you guys, I got this. 
And so after I checked myself and I heard the voice of the Lord tell me, she got this. She going to be okay. I let it go. And I know that she's in great hands. And I fully believe that all things are working together for her good out in Los Angeles. I keep her in prayers. And for all of my praying listeners, say a prayer for my baby girl, Kamora, when you pray that, you know, all of her dreams will be accomplished because she truly does have the work ethic to see um, her dreams through. So I'm proud of you, Kim. All right. All right. Let's see what else. Uh, Oh, y'all, while we was out in L.A., me and my daughter waiting in a line to eat soul food at this place called Jazzy's Kitchen. Let me give a quick plug about Jazzy's Kitchen. Food amazing. It's a soul food restaurant. The food was amazing. Amazing. The only beef that I would have is just the wait time to get your food. Jazzy's Kitchen is an apartment that has been turned into a restaurant. So it's not a place where you can go and sit down and eat. You actually have to order your food and then go back outside, wait for them to cook it. And then they text you on your phone and let you know that your order is ready so you can come back inside and pay for it and get it. So, um, yeah, it just took a long time, like two hours to get our food. We waited in line an hour and then we waited an hour to get our food. The only complaint I have, but the food, amazing. But while we're in line waiting for the food, all of us women who are in line and some guys too, we're all like talking about the Beyonce concert. And that's when I found out that Beyonce was performing in LA. Now we were eating at Jazzy's kitchen on Sunday and People were talking about how she had performed in L.A. on Friday. She had performed in L.A. on Saturday. She was taking Sunday off and then she was performing Monday, which was her birthday, September 4th. And I'm like, what? What are the chances that I would be in Los Angeles on Beyonce's birthday and she's performing in the Renaissance World Tour? I had to go, y'all. Now I'm going to just tell y'all I did not run this by my financial advisor He and I have been super focused on me being debt free by the end of 23, putting uh, additional monies in my investments and just like getting things like tight across the board and finances. And I've been I've been with him, y'all. I have. I've been with him and I've been diligent and I've been about that life. But then this happened. And those of you who know me know I love Beyonce. So I got off track a little bit. I did not even let him know until after the fact, but I'm back on track. I'm back on track. And so, you know, only Beyonce could make me go outside of the budget to, um, you know, see her performs. The show was amazing. Beyonce was amazing. Kendrick Lamar, Diana Ross, every celebrity you could think of, just grab one out of the sky. They were all there to see her perform. It was a beautiful night. The microphones messed up a little bit with Diana and Kendrick, But outside of that, it was a really great show. I'm happy that I went. I got a chance to see Beyonce in Nashville. The Nashville show was a completely different show than the L.A. show. But if you are a concert goer, you already know that some cities are just going to have a better show just because of the city it it is in. Nashville's not going to get a three-hour show. We got a two-hour show in Nashville. The L.A. show was about 3.15. (laughs) So, you know, you can only imagine. It was great. It was nice to see both shows. The Nashville show was amazing, too. Don't get me wrong. Like, nothing about the Nashville show made me feel like I was left without getting everything that I should have gotten from Beyonce. The L.A. show was just like, and here's a little more. 
So um, both shows were amazing. The Renaissance World Tour. If you've been, then you know, you get speechless like you don't even know what to say. Okay, so let's get into today's episode, The Self-Aware Narcissist. If you have ever had any dealings with a narcissistic person, then you know that this disorder is toxic and it's demonic. And I'm not saying that the person is toxic or demonic, but the disorder that has possessed them is toxic and demonic. Like if you've ever been in love with a narcissist, married to a narcissist, raised by a narcissist, tried to get out of a relationship with a narcissist, been mind fucked, and please excuse my language, by a narcissist, you know that it can, it can just, it can mess your life up. These people can mess your life up. And this good brother, Leon R. Walker happened up on my YouTube page one day as I was scrolling through YouTube and I began to watch his videos and he shares his life story, how his narcissistic personality disorder was formed. Most of the time, narcissistic people are made. We're not born into the world narcissistic. Something has happened in your life that has created this personality disorder. And after multiple therapies, which you'll hear Leon talk about in this episode, uh, he was made aware of his narcissism and began to really try to break through and do something positive to make people more aware of this personality disorder to make people be able to spot it better when you're dealing with someone who has a narcissistic personality disorder and um, just trying to give back to that which he done to so many people. And I applaud him for that because being a narcissist, most of the time and everything that I've ever read about narcissism is those people don't change. They are who they are. They are aware of the damage that they do to people and they still continue to function that way. So for him to be willing to step outside of what is comfortable for him and share in such a way, uh, I hope you guys take it in and I hope that this will give you insight and wisdom on how to move with the narcissistic people in your life, how to separate yourself if you if that be the case whatever you need to do. But uh, without further ado, let's get into today's episode, The Self-Aware Narcissist with Leon R. Walker. Enjoy. For almost a century, Scarrett Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. This is Sharana Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast. I am here with my guest today, Leon Walker. Um, Guys, I cannot wait for you to hear this man's story. He has a lot to share with us today, and he's going to educate a lot of us on narcissism. So let me bring him into the show and introduce him. You guys, this is Leon Walker. Leon, welcome to These Three Things Podcast. (laughs) 
Thank you for having me, Sharon. I appreciate it. Yeah. I can't believe that I just reached out to you and I was like, hey, I need you to be on my show. And when you realized that I had DM'd you about it, you was like, hey, let's do it. Like it was. Yeah, just... I, didn't, I was. Yeah, you was like, man, how come I can't, what's up? You can't get on my show. What? I'm like, I didn't. I never saw your request. And then when you, after I look, I'm like, because I miss, I, I get a lot of DMs. I'm sure. I get a lot of text messages, emails. I just can't keep up with them all. But I like for people to say, hey, man, you're like you did. You're like, look, I, I reached out. What's up? And I'm like, okay, my right. bad. I got you. Yeah. Right. I will strong arm if need be. Now, I used to be a college right. basketball coach and I was a really good recruiter. See? So I will yeah, recruit see, you. you know how to, I will recruit yeah, you, you. But yeah, you're a you recruiter. Know how to yeah, I was a recruiter too, so yeah, I got you. Okay, so tell me I, about that. Tell me about your background, Leon, and just like, you know, where you from, you know, what you do, all that. Tell me. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I served 32 years in the Navy. I've been all over the world. I've spent half of that 15 years on ships, five different ships. I'm an author of four books. I was married for 12 years. I've been divorced for 16. I have three kids, four guy children, and one granddaughter. Now she's a year. Uh, I live in Chicago now, from Cleveland, joined the Navy in 1983, retired in 2015, um, had a great time. Uh, it was a struggle getting to the military because of, you know, my not being able to concentrate and learn in school because of my childhood, so it was rough. Um, I scratched and clawed and made my way through, um, but I couldn't find out that I just wasn't applying myself. I thought I was slow. Mm -hmm. I thought I was stupid. I thought I was dumb, but I, I wasn't. I just wasn't applying myself. And so I had a lot of issues in the military. I did well, went up and down. Uh, I developed, aside from my narcissism personality disorder, I developed severe PTSD, uh, anxiety, depression, a host of other things. I've led thousands of people. I've been awarded, rewarded. Uh, promotions were uh, endless for me. I made a lot of money. I lost a lot of money. I wasted a lot of money. I had a lot of addictions, you know, so I did a lot. I'm a different dude. I've been around the world, uh, literally, and now I'm back to help people. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, the first thing that you said was you spent a lot of time on ships. Like, what is the mindset that it takes to be on a ship for the length of time and days that you are on a ship? Yeah, first of all, a black kid from inner city, I can swim. So it wasn't, that part wasn't a problem, but just being on a ship and then, and in the middle of the ocean where it's thousands of feet deep and 12 foot swells and thunderstorms and and cold winds and high winds and wetness and salt and um, the ship rocking and rolling and tossing and turning and getting seasick. It was rough, but then I'm like, I'm like a tough dude and, but I wanted to become tougher. Mm -hmm. And so I stuck with it. You know, I was like, I want to be military. I want to be hard. I want to be rough. I want to impress my dad. But I, I just got used to it and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the structure. I fell in love with the discipline. Mm -hmm. I fell in love, with the, you know, we made decent money. We, uh, I fell in love with the um, the women that I was encountering, the exotic women. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with the ports, different food, the culture, different people. So it was, a, it was I would, if I could do it all over again, I'd do it the same exact way. I wouldn't change anything. Wow. That's good. Listen, yeah. you and I can have, because now I want to talk about like recruiting in the military. Like we're going to yeah. get to like all the things, but just like talk to me about like what is like recruiting in the military and like how were you drawn to that part of it? Was that was that your main assignment as where you were recruiting? No. Okay. What, what happened, it was a white guy that I worked for. I was a navigator in the Navy. And one day we were on an O2 level top side and uh, he taught me a lot. And he one, one day he walked up, walked up to me. He said, you know what? With your personality, you should be a recruiter. 
But he didn't know that I had a personality disorder. He just mm-hmm. saw that I was really overt, outgoing, outwardly social, right. energetic like I am now. And he said, "You should be. You should. You should go be a recruiter," because he was just uh, he was he had just come off of recruiting duty, but he was a uh, senior chief in the Navy. He's my my leader. He's my boss. And he said, "You should go become a recruiter." And that was like the first time that I really had somebody to say, "Hey, you know," they looked into my mind, my mindset. And it changed my life. It was for the better for me. Uh, it was for the betterment of my career. It helped me out. It, it hurt me a little because I wasn't doing the right things for the last two years of my recruiting duty because I was um, started drinking a lot. I started womanizing a lot. I became very, very, very promiscuous. I became even more of a cheater. Um, I cursed a lot. I, swore, I, I was in the streets a lot. So I was like, kind of like, thugged out as a Navy recruiter, but in the military, you know, and at home. So it was like a gift and a curse. But mm-hmm. that was one of the things that turned my life around, becoming a recruiter. I learned how to speak in front of groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me find a new part of who I didn't know existed in me. And plus, I was at home helping out my dad, my mother. Uh, it was good and bad. It was a beautiful time, though. It was a beautiful time. It was a rough time. A lot of ups and downs. But recruiting duty was... I got there by him saying, hey, you need to go be a recruit. And I did it. I signed up. Um, I struggled in school. It was seven-week school. But I learned. But after I learned the recruiting sales pitch, I could talk to people. I could get mm-hmm. in front of people. I could get people to join and be who I am. And a lot of black kids in the city were looking for role models. And mm-hmm. I popped up and I just happened to be there for them. So I was able to get them jobs and money and benefits. And the parents liked that. Yeah. Some people, you know, you just naturally have a gift to recruit people to get people to follow yeah. you. You know, it's just, yeah. I think sometimes it's, it's, it's either in you or it's not, you know, and uh, Period. yeah, it's either in you or Period. it's not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I really want for, you know, I, I want to, you know, spend some good time on uh, talking about narcissism and I want my mm-hmm. listeners to hear your story. A lot of people who listen to my show, Leon, are probably going to already know who you are. If they have been on YouTube at all, if they've been on Instagram at all, like you're on TikTok, you're on all the platforms, aren't you? Pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, some of the people that listen to my show are for sure going to know who you are because you have a pretty heavy following on all of those platforms as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to talk about your background first and what was at the mm-hmm. base of you developing your narcissistic personality disorder. So can you tell my listeners just about your background, Leon, how you grew yeah. up and kind of like yeah. what, what called, what brought it all about? So what happens is uh, it comes from neglect and abuse. I didn't know that I was neglected or abused until I was 46. So I was neglecting and abusing women up until I was 46 and didn't even realize it. I was doing to them what was done to me from age five until 46. My my awareness, that's why therapy is very important because you get acute awareness from a psychotherapist, a psychiatrist, or a psychologist. And I saw all three. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what a psychotherapist was. So it comes from abuse and neglect. That's where it starts. I was molested at age five by my two cousins, female cousins. And then another third cousin, they all started, they just kept kissing on me for probably, they kissed me in my mouth for years. And every time I tell a story, I think more and more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my female cousin molested me. I was in the first grade. I remember it like it happened yesterday. Um, and then my brother started showing me porn. I was seven. Then by the time I turned eight, I was having sex with my babysitter, playing house. I was a father, had kids. 
you know, playing house, you go through all of that. All and, of that. and then between the ages of like nine and 11, my uncle used to touch me all the time, put Vaseline on his hands and put his hands in my pants and follow me. And I'm just I'm scared. I didn't know what to do. He made me lay on top of him. There was never penetration, no clothes. Our clothes were on, mm -hmm. but he used to grab me, get him up, you know, I could be on his back. I was small, you know, he would, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's good with stars. And then um, I peed in the bed from kindergarten to seventh grade. Wetting the bed is a sign of abuse. I didn't even know that. So this came out in therapy. Prior to therapy, I didn't know, I knew what happened to me as a child, but I wasn't talking to anybody about it. But I was acting it out in my relationships. I was, I was volatile, right? I was angry. I was aggressive. I was highly sexual. I was also highly functioning because I was suppressing those bad feelings and hurt feelings as a child. So I had to overcome that by being highly successful and highly functioning. Narcissistic people are highly functioning. Why? Because they're molested, abused, neglected. So they want to overcome that. Because when I was abused and molested, I was bullied. I was forgotten about. I was talked talk down to. I was called stupid, dumb. You'd never be anything. My teeth used to stick. I used to suck my thumb. I found out in therapy that I had an oral fixation problem. So my cousins kissed me. What happened? I want to become a kisser. I get in trouble for kissing girls and touching. I became a touchy-feely dude because I was touched on as a child, and I was felt on, and I was kissed. So what I do when I get older? Hey, girl, come in. Grab and touch it inappropriately, you know? I never got in trouble, but I never raped anybody. I never followed little kids. I never, I never um, abused, I verbally abused. I wasn't physically abusive. So all the things that were done to me, I was doing because I, that's that's what I resonated with. That's what felt comfortable with, with me. It wasn't about love and care and, and, and empathy. That stuff was gone. That's why they say narcissistic people don't have empathy. They don't want to love. It's very true because we detach from that. I know what empathy is. I have to understand empathy because I have to know that you have empathy so I can understand how to manipulate your empathy to help me. So mm -hmm. I knew what empathy was, but I wasn't trying to connect with that, those emotions, those feelings. I don't love anybody. That's my, that was my problem. I understand it now, but I can like the hell out of you. But the love, it was too deep. It was too much for me. So the childhood, then my parents got divorced. Then I seen my mother get beat up. And my father was an alcoholic. He died from that. My mother was a crack addict. She died from that in 2012. So it was like a gamut of things. Uh, that I saw, that I witnessed, that I experienced. And I should have had therapy when I was five, but never got therapy until 41 years later. And I know your story because I have watched your videos on um, in, on YouTube is where I found you. And you just came up uh -huh. on my feed one day. And I actually clicked on it, Leon, because I thought you was cute. I was like, well, who is that? <laughs> who is this? Thing? What has he got going on? Exactly. <laughs> you know, just like any, you know anybody would do and then I was like oh wow and so just listening to your story I just you know really was intrigued most importantly in the beginning by the fact that they say people who are narcissistic get worse as they get older and I find well, that to be true it's true but what happens is as I was getting older I was getting worse I'm sorry as I was getting older I was getting worse but then I went into therapy that's and I was, I was like, just, yep. That's where I was just getting okay, ready to go right. with that. Cause I was so going to ask you, I want to ask you this question. Okay. So Leon, what about, cause you mentioned you were in therapy multiple times. What about yeah. the therapist who finally reached you? What was it that she said to you to reach you? So I walked in her office one day and, um, I didn't want to be there. See, this is what happens in the military. When you skip therapy or you fail anger management classes or, 
domestic violence courses, you get in trouble. They, your bosses are alerted that, hey, Leon didn't show up today. There's an email sent out. Mm -hmm. And every time I didn't show up, when I go back to work, they're like, hey, um, we got an email from the hospital saying you walked out of therapy. I'm like, well, they just leave me the hell alone, you know? So I was going over there thinking I could, like, ease out. And I was a senior leader. I was working at a command where we had 10,000 people, we employed 10,000 people, and I was the third man in charge going through therapy and telling the other kids, you need to go to therapy, you, know, you need to go to dentist, you need to go get your shot. I wasn't doing any of that. <laughs> and so I would go over there and play hooky, come back to work and be like, hey man, uh, uh, the hospital called from the psych ward, <laughs> you need to go back over there. I'm like, what? Yeah, so I went back over there and she's like, listen, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm here to help you because you need help. And I really think that you need inpatient intensive care. And I was like, "Yikes!" I'm saying, so lady, I don't even know you, you know, but so what happens is when you fill out the paperwork, you, this is flow from P, for PTSD, you're filling out paperwork from NPD, you're filling out paperwork, there's questions and therapy and talking and all this. And they're looking at your numbers, like your numbers are off the chart, dude, you know, so uh, we need to get you on in here. And I'm like, nah, because see, I was very successful in the military. Mm -hmm. I was getting promoted. I was making $120,000 a year from 06 to 15. Had all these girlfriends. I, I was like, good. I was like the man on base, you know, had a lot of prestige, right? A lot of recognition, a lot of respect. How could anything be wrong with me? But there was a whole lot wrong with this dude, a whole lot. So I walk in her office, she's like, I'm not gonna hurt you. You don't have to be the big bad leader in here, okay? I was like, she started smiling. I was like, cause she saw what I come in and I'm like, what's up, you know? I don't want to be here. I'm ready to go. It's like, I got you. We're going to talk this out. So we're going to help you out. Because the other two, the other psych, psychotherapists, I was rude to her. I walked in her office and she's sitting there looking at me. I'm looking at her. I'm like, I don't need to be here. She's like, well, you don't want to be here. You can leave. I'm like, I wanted to flip her off. I was like, no, nah, I ain't going to do it. I was like, all right, I'm out. I don't want to be there. No way. So, <laughs> so I walked out. I'm like, I'm out. And then the other lady was like, this is sad to say, but I didn't want to look at her face because she just looked old and decrepit. And I was like, I'm not going to sit here for an hour talking to you and you got your face like a roadmap. You know, I was like, and your hair is ugly. I'm thinking my mind, she, but the other lady was attractive. Mm -hmm. So I would have sat with her, but she put me out. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the third lady, she said, I'm not going to hurt you. And you know, you don't have to be bad in here. And I was like, ooh, it's like, a, a breath of fresh air. Like, I don't have to be tough anymore. I can just come in here and, you know, be myself and let it all out. And that's what changed for me. Yeah. That's interesting that that's all she had to say to get your wall to come down to like. Well, nobody ever up. said that to me. Ah. I never, I thought everybody else was out to hurt me and get me. I'm like on my guard because I was doing something wrong, going to do something wrong or just did something wrong. So my, my, I was paranoid all the time. Mm -hmm. Cause I was always, I was attracted to danger. I was attracted to drama. I needed that in my life. When it was peaceful and calm and loving and caring, it drove me nuts. I didn't want none of that. I need the drama. I need to smoke. I need That's to- That's boring. Arms. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I need to smoke. I need some fighting going on, some breaking windows, some people hopping out of windows. I, I need that. Car accidents, cause my ex-wife said, every time we see something bad going on, you run towards it. Cause if there was a car sitting, I'm gonna get out the car and go help. She said, you remember when you, you hopped out the car and went to help the lady? He said, you came back to me and said, her teeth was knocked out. I don't remember that. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I react to danger. 
and it was a car thing. I ran to the lady, and I don't remember helping her out the car. I don't know, but I went back to my wife's car. So like, what happened to her? I said, her teeth are knocked out. She's bleeding. So we called ambulance. I don't even remember that. Mm-hmm. So I was always attracted to dangerous situations and volatile situations and drama and trauma and noise. I, I that's the only way I could operate. When it was too calm, I'm like, it's boring. Even in a relationship, it was too nice, too peaceful. I don't like you. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. You don't have enough smoke in your bike. You know. Yeah. So the therapist showed you compassion, which is really what you needed with somebody to look beyond your actions and just give you some compassion. Yeah. You know, from the gate. That. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you just brought her up, and I definitely was wanting to talk about your your wife. Okay. So you know you have all this stuff that's going on inside of you. Uh, what made you get married? Man, that question right there. I get that every now and then. It's a good question. Um, I didn't want anybody else to get her. Mm. When I met her, I, my friend introduced me to her. I'm like, man, I got it. At the time, Sharona, I, at the time, I was dating four women. Might have been five. Mm-hmm. I was in recruiting. And Cleveland loves, Cleveland loves two things. They love athletes and military. Mm-hmm. So I was running rampant through women. I was drinking for free, eating for free for two straight years. I was there for four years, but in my third year, my friends, yo, man, I'm tired of you walking around here all crazy, man, with these old ghetto women, man. I'm, I got somebody for you. I was like, I'm cool, bro. I got a couple of women right now. I'm straight. I don't need no more. He's like, nah, man, when you meet her, you're going to drop them all. And I met her. I was like, oh, wow. She's pretty. She graduated from college. She don't have any kids. She don't smoke. She don't drink. So all the women I was dating had kids, had stars, gunshot wounds, were ex-dancers. Dropped out of college. It was all I was like, yeah, I was all about that. I'm like, yeah, this is what I like. Then I met somebody, my ex, my ex-wife, who was um, didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't fight, didn't argue, didn't go out. I was like, maybe this is what I need in my life. Mm-hmm. I need some peace. And you know what? When I got with her, what I noticed that when I was dating all those women, I had a body odor. Mm. My toenails were dark. I was dark. I was drinking a lot. I was smoking cigarettes. I was smoking cigars. I was just a maniac, um, but nobody could tell, right? But I, internally, I was a, a demon. And I met her. She said, Leanne, what's wrong with your toenails? She got my toenails together, my little body odor. We were eating healthy. We were having a good time. I wasn't going out as much. I wasn't smoking. I wasn't drinking. But that addiction to my demonic spirit was too much, and I couldn't let it go. I could have let it go, but I didn't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. And so that demonic spirit came back and I grabbed, grabbed onto it and it was either her or the demonic spirit. And so I tried to keep both. So the demonic spirit had me with four or five other women while I was engaged to her and started cheating, just never let go of the streets, never let go of the, 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 the devil. But I didn't want anybody to have her because I'm like, she's a pure, good woman. I'm like, this woman, at the time I met her, she had only been with two guys. Mm-hmm. And we were like 28, 29. Like, man, all the other women had more bodies than I did. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, combined, we probably had two, 300 bodies, all the women oh, I was with. Yikes. Yeah, combined. So my wife at the time was had like two dudes. And I knew, I met one and others like, oh, I need to keep her couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I could we got engaged and we got married. I just never stopped cheating and we had two sons and it's got worse. I just got I didn't get better. I got worse. I got worse. Progressively. How long were y'all married? 
12 years, almost 12 years. 12 years. And so all 12 years you were unfaithful. You were cheating. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she was aware? Women know because our sex was off. Uh, my pH balance was off. Hers was off. I never gave any diseases. Um, yeah. It was, there was no intimacy. She knew something was going on. Yeah. We just stayed married for, I don't know, for the, the look, you yeah. know, for the kids. And it just wasn't there. You can tell when something's off in a relationship. Yeah. So let's talk about the kids. Do they, what do they think about what you're doing now? Like, what do they, when you, when they, you know, obviously, you know, they know and they see, like, do they talk to you about it? No. Nope. Um, they probably don't want to hear it. Like my son just left. He was, he got plans in me, but my daughter don't want to hear it. But my kids have some traits. Yeah. I know yeah. for a fact, I can't diagnose people, but they act like me. Yeah. And my yeah. wife knows and my daughter's mother knows. What they type of father like, were you? Um, hands on, hands off, overbearing too much, loud, uh, verbally abusive, aggressive, um, selfish, self-centered, uh, wanted all the attention, wanted to be the better parent. But I sucked as a dad for a great period of time. I did. And so my kids now, I'm still, I have it bad. I'm like, why are you ain't touching me, boy? What the hell are you doing? I ain't helping you. Like, I need to just chill out. I always try to live my life vicariously through my children. I thought that they should, should join the military and be a sale of the year and be a recruit of the year and, you know, all these things. That's just not who they are. What are their but ages, if you don't mind me asking? 23, 27, and 27. My daughter and son are the same age for a month or two because I cheated when I was engaged and got another woman pregnant. And so, yeah, so my daughter was born in 1995. My son was born in 1996. August, she was born in September. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, 23, 27, 27. My daughter's about to turn 28 next month. So the one that you have the best relationship with is your son that you were talking to earlier. Well, it's kind of, it, it shifts. So now, so I, he and I fell out for a while and he wasn't talking to me. And now he lives with me. Um, so it's cool. My oldest son, he and I never, he comes around, he's in California where we talk. He's cool. And he's kind of like, has this distance away, but he's, we think alike sometimes. We laugh, we get along. My daughter's just like me and my mom. And she kind of used me a while ago, and I got upset because my mother kind of used me the same way. And I'm like, like the love bomb. I'm like, how the hell are you going to love bomb me? I'm the one that did that. I'm the love bomber. How you going to love bomb me? Yeah, I'm the, how you going to love bomb the love bomb? So she did it. But right. my daughter understands me uh, because we have that, like, the lack of empathy and that lack of love thing going on. It's like, it is what it is. I see you come over Dad. Let's go eat. Let's talk, laugh, have fun. Okay. I understand. You understand. Hey dad, mom's tripping. Why don't I, I get it. I understand. So yeah, it's kind of like, it's a very serious balance in that because they're getting older and they have my traits and I got to help them out with it as best as I can. Do you tell them that you see your traits in them? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do they agree or disagree? They smile. They know. They feel yeah. it. They know already. Uh-huh. You suggest it's like a smirk. Do you suggest that they should get therapy? Do you tell them that y'all need to get I haven't suggested that. I have to be careful because these kids will either close shut down when you tell them that or mm -hmm. they'll go and then become I mean, do what they have to do, but it's like 
if they were to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality. So it might be a badge of honor for these kids, not just mine, but kids around the world. Cause like, yeah, I got NPD. Why? What's up? You know, so what? Yeah. That means I ain't gotta love you. It means I don't care. That means don't cry around me. You know, it's not that, but yeah, I had to be careful with saying that to them. So Leon, okay. So you said that you, you know, anything that was nice and peaceful and loving, you shot away from that. That was boring to you. So now that you are aware of all the things that you're aware of, is it still boring to you? Is that type of relationship still boring to you? No, it wouldn't be because I'm older now. I'm like more reserved now. Mm -hmm. My ex-wife is like, look at you. <laughs> that ain't you. I mean, that, that would just like, she would say, look, I see a big difference in you because if this had gone on over here, you'd be doing this. If somebody said this, you'd be doing that. So yeah, it's like, I wanted that peace before, but I didn't want the peace. I wanted to be active. I wanted to be social. I had to be active. I had to be social. I had to be in the know. I had to be in the middle. I had to be this ringleader, all of that. I needed all of that. <laughs> but now it's like, I'm tired of all of that. Leave me alone. But now people are like, nah, uh -uh, no, this is what you want. This is what you're going to get. This is what you used to do. Yeah. And so now it's like, you know, people think I get a lot of attention from these videos and all these followers. I'm like, I don't. I can have a gift that was shown to me by my ex-girlfriend given to me through god and now that's what i pay attention to that's what i i work on okay helping I'm, people i want to get path. to the girlfriend that that brought you into uh coming out publicly and speaking about it so don't let me forget Ooh. about that but right. i want to ask you this leon so through all those years when you were just out here just moving chaotic you was just moving like you just couldn't sit down you just you know it was that that demon as you say was just it was alive and kicking and you was with it uh, mm -hmm. Did you know inwardly something ain't right about me, but I don't know how to fix this. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Talk I know about that. Yeah. But I ain't going to tell somebody, hey, man, yo, man, yo, dog, let me holler at you, man. There's something wrong with me. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Because you got to think. I don't want anybody to know that something's wrong with me. I want I want everybody to see me as the best navigator, the best Navy guy, sailor of the year, recruiter of the year, rank number one. That's what y'all going to see. I can't let you see me in the corner like when I go to bed and like crying on my pillow like something's wrong with me. I can't get out. Uh, uh, I can't stop cheating. I can't stop womanizing. I'm crazy. I can't love. I don't cry. I don't want people to cry around me. I can't see when people cry. I, uh, no, I ain't not. You don't see that. But yeah, I knew something. I knew something was wrong with me as a kid. Yeah. But I didn't know what it was. It just got worse and worse. But I knew I had to create this guy that you see now or before this guy, right? I had to become somebody because I learned how to box. I took karate. I played sports. I immersed myself in things that were bad, that were dangerous, that were hard, because I wanted to be tough. Because I knew in deep down inside, I used to cry a lot. I got bullied. I was afraid to fight all those things. So I'm like, I got to change this too. Oh, no, I'm not going to go into the military and be a punk. And so the military just added about three, four layers of narcissism to me, you know? And so yeah. I wanted that life. I wanted that lifestyle. It was all about the popularity. I was all about that smoke. But I knew what was wrong. I knew something you was wrong. You knew something was wrong. And yeah. how did you think this was going to work out? Like, you thought this was just your lot in life? Like, this is me. This is who I am. Oh, this is it. This is who I am. This is it. You know what? I, I was afraid because people call my mother crazy. Mm -hmm. And then when I get diagnosed, I was like, am I crazy? I got scared. And so I started thinking differently. I was like, oh, my... I used to feel like I was going to just break down one day and, and die. Mm -hmm. I felt like my brain was just going to stop because my mother started getting high and the only thing that kept her going was crack. And she was a functioning crack addict. 
And I would go home on leave and see her sleeping in basements and not having food and having the same clothes. I was like, and so I thought that I was just going to one day die. I was like, this is it. I'm looking at my mother. Then between her and I, I said, I don't smoke crack. So I'm going to die or I'm going to start smoking crack or heroin. I'm going to be addicted to something because I, I have a very addictive personality like my mother. And I have a very extreme personality like my dad. So I was, I was always like, engaged and overbearing and overpowering like rah all the time i'm like i'm gonna die or a woman's gonna kill me yeah i knew something so august 13 2013 i had a heart attack hmm. at the gym walking from the gym <clears throat> like that it's not it's not feel good went to work sat down at work got up like man walked got in my car went back went to the Field on base, started jogging. Like, walk to the hospital on base. Hey, man, I need some help. And I have my, I don't have a hat on. He's like, Hey, Master, you sweating? You okay? I'm like, Man, my chest burn. Come on back. Gave me EKG. Hey, uh, you just had a heart attack. We gotta get you out of here. Lake Forest Hospital. Boom, 15 minutes away. Put me in ambulance. I heard him take him to Lake Forest Hospital. We don't have a cardiologist on the base. Get him out of here quick. Gave me a green pill on my mouth. I'm laying on the gurney. And see, I know the doctor said, you must be kind of important, young man. There's a lot of people here to see you. Mm -hmm. I was like, he said it was a line from my room all the way out to the hospital. Because at the time, I was in charge of the naval station, the base up here. Mm -hmm. And people liked me. People loved me. People hated me. People were jealous. People didn't want to be around me. All of that. Yeah. And I couldn't care less. Mm -hmm. You know, I, that black identity was there. I'm like, whatever, dude. I'm in charge. Yeah. Yeah, it... I had the heart attack and that was, you know, one thing that was, that really slowed me down, made me think differently, you know, but I always knew something was going to happen. And then that, that, that was it. And I, I knew my brain was already broke by people telling me my mother's crazy and I was just like it. Yeah. Damn. And that's hard to hear. It is hard to hear. It hurt and it made me upset. And I vowed to get people back to say that about my mother. So I would do things to make people jealous and that fed into my narcissism, my grandiose type of mindset, mm -hmm. right? And so I said, okay, y'all want to talk about my mother? Take this. But my mother kind of discarded me over and over and over again. I'm like, all right, then hell, you know, a woman did not ever mention love to me because my mom don't love me. Although she did, she had a lot going on. I learned more about my mother in therapy than I knew when she was alive. Do you look like your mom? I do. I do. Yeah, I got her features. I look like both my parents, but yeah. People see pictures of my mom, they're like, man. Yeah, I do. So have you, obviously, you know, to be in therapy and to have to talk to somebody about your aunts kissing on you and, you know, I'm sure that was including like tongue kissing, like very intimate kissing. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm sure. Um, and you know, knowing all of the, like the, the snatching of your innocence, really like your innocence was pretty much stolen from you and, um, having to forgive them. So I have two questions, Leon, have you forgiven like genuinely in your heart, forgiven all of those people, but more importantly, have you forgiven yourself for like, you know, your family breaking up, you know, you not being able to be what you needed to be in that relationship, knowing that she was a good woman, 
you know, the things that you've done throughout your life to people, have you forgiven yourself and have you forgiven the people who hurt you? Yeah, that was part of therapy. They talk about forgiving now. She said that, well, next week, Mr. Walker, we can talk about forgiveness. I was like, how do, how do you do that? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to forgive myself or forgive people. But she said, you got to let go, you know, write letters, tell them, you know, you understand that they have problems, you know, talk to them. And I did that. And I was like, it makes sense because they, at the time, the three of my perpetrators were dead. Two were murdered and one died of alcoholism. So I was carrying the weight of their, the burden of their aggressiveness and their egregious ways. I was carrying that for, for many years. I was mad. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided to say, you know what? Okay, I forgive you. It was hard letting go, but forgiveness is is um for you, yeah. for the person, for me. And I just didn't know how to do it until I went to therapy. Had I not gone to therapy, I still wouldn't. You wouldn't be talking to me right now for sure. I would have still been out here acting a fool. But yeah, I learned I learned about forgiveness in therapy. And have you forgiven yourself? Did you answer? That I part? have. I didn't even know about that until she mentioned it. I'm like, how do I forgive myself? By letting go and, you know, knowing that you didn't do anything wrong. What they did to you, somebody did to them, it was wrong. And she talked about my mother, you know, just, you can't be mad at your mother. You can be, but you shouldn't be mad at the drug. That's not your mother. That's the drug that took over. And so people took over your life. Don't be mad at them. Forgive them because they were wrong. They didn't know any better or they knew better. Somebody did it to them. And so, yeah, that forgiveness, it's just it's talking about why, what, what happened and why it happened, you know? Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of These Three Things Podcast. Here's how you can stay connected after the show. Follow at These Three Things Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. On Facebook at These Three Things P. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and if you like what you've been hearing, leave a review. Educate. I want you to educate any women like who are dealing with a narcissistic man. And it's a situation that, okay, maybe you have kids or maybe like financially you can't afford to leave or, you know, um, and it's not an abusive narcissist. Like he's just the verb, he's verbally abusive, but let's just say not physically abusive. That's worse. This is bad. It is just as bad, but you know, physical, we would automatically say, get the hell out. You know what I'm saying? And, and, And verbally, we probably should say the same too, but let's just say she can't leave. Like she's not in a position where she can leave and, you know, well, how does a woman exist in that? Without being a woman. She's going to be a toy. She's going to be a piece of vintage furniture. She's going to be disrespected. She's going to get sick. She's going to lose herself. She's going to wind up dying. People, you ever heard the quote, people die at 25, they're not buried till they're 75? Yeah. So I don't tell people to leave. I don't tell people to get divorced. But without the narcissistic man or woman getting help, they're going to see you as just somebody that's supposed to be there for them. That's it. They're going to give you a little bit of this, a little bit of that. The sex is going to go away. There's not going to be any intimacy. You're going to no holding hands. I I was that guy that went away in my marriage. Went away because I was dating somebody else. I had somebody else. Sadly, I was a piece of work. I was a piece of SHIT. And so... Standing there with that, what do you stand for? I never tell people to leave, but don't leave yourself. People stay in those relationships, they get worse, they get older, you get sick, you lose out on your children's love, your parents' love, your family love. 
you know, people stay too long and they lose themselves. And you say, for instance, your girlfriend staying with a narcissistic man, you lose, you lost her as a girlfriend. You and her are supposed to be traveling, going to Bali, going to Japan, going to going to Greece, having a good time, going roller skating, drinking wine, sipping paint, uh, doing yoga together. But she's stuck, mentally stuck with this guy. What she got? The women kill me, hoping and wishing, hoping and wishing that he gets better. It don't just magically happen. You don't just magically get better. You got to take your butt to the hospital, to the psych psychiatrist or the psychotherapist and go through talk therapy. It could be a year, it could be six months, it could be two years. But it ain't gonna happen sitting at home, hoping and wishing and cooking him five, six course meals and giving him the remote when he comes home or dropping him to your knees when he walks in the door or cooking a meal with him or, or setting a house up for his friends to come watch football, the games, and you get nothing out of it. You go back upstairs or you go in the garden by yourself just for some peace and tranquility and then they're drinking beer and yelling at the game and you just a provider, you just a hostess, you just a, a waitress. You hope and wish. Women kill me. I hope he, it, hope is tied into faith. Narcissist people are not tied into faith at all. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to talk to God. They don't want to read the Bible. I didn't even want to smell a Bible. I went into church to flirt with the women in the choir, hoping that they look, look my way. Yeah. I don't care if it was the first lady. If she's looked at me and flirt with me, it's on. She could get it. <laughs> she could get it. Yeah. yeah. So Leon, yeah. will you please tell women that when they stay with a man who is not treating them well, A, the man is aware that he is not treating them well, and B, he loses respect for her because he knows he's not treating her well and she continues to stay. I just did a video about that today. The longer you stay the more they're going to abuse you. I just posted it. The longer you stay, the more they're going to lose respect for you. The longer you stay, the more they're going to like hurting and harming you. And guess what? The longer you stay, you go from being, when he starts cheating or when she starts cheating, you go being number one to number two, number three. You'll never be number one after they start cheating. You automatically drop number two or three. So the longer you stay, the longer you pull your way self away from what genetically you could possibly do in this world. Your parents pass things down to you that you're not even using and you're, it's just dormant in your, in your mind, in your brain, in your psyche. So I see it all the time. Women just get around people like that and they cower down They put their head down. And she used to be, she was voted most likely to succeed in high school. She was a class president, right? She or he was a chess champion, right? The debate team champion, you know, um, uh, biggest personality. Then they meet somebody that just takes it from them. A lot of women that I see that happens to, that happens to, are the ones that's, that are highly successful in their 30s to mid 40s, want children, but then they start settling because they have everything. They had everything. They had the best teachers, the high GPAs, the best counselors, the best colleges. And the best job they did to they went through internship and residency they became a lawyer doctor dentist whatever and oh my god i spent 15 years in school now let me find a husband and then they get used and abused because their street court street credit score is low they don't know how to deal with leons and so i pop up and they're like wow i've been going to school for 15 years i've been working hard my parents had me sheltered i want to i want to try leon out leon is adventurous leon is spontaneous i can imagine what that sex would be like and then they 
have sex with a wild Leon, and it's oh my god, this is amazing. He texts me, he kissed me, all that, and then they got a great job, and all of a sudden he starts to lose himself. And they have one baby, and they have two children, and he's gone. He's cheating. He's got these women, he's got her, he's got the kids, and she's still holding on. Because that's all she knows is a traditional lifestyle. That's how she was groomed. Mm-hmm. If she don't want a man that's just like her, that's got all its degrees and a great job, a high credit score, and a house and a car, she wants somebody like me because a man like her is just too boring. It's true. A lot of women. That's a lot of women's story. So we go from being in the relationship to finally getting enough strength, guy or girl, whichever one. And we go, we we leaving and we go no contact. Let's talk about no contact. And I really, if you can really just touch on the value for those of my listeners who are in no contact right now, but struggling, like I want to call him or her so bad, like I miss him. And you Better know all not. the mental stuff. Talk about it. Yeah, that no contact, what happens is you're going to go through withdrawals. Because why? I become a drug to you. Because we have a connection. We have chemistry. We have emotional chemistry. Well, you have emotional chemistry to me. I just have I just have physical chemistry to you. You have emotional and physical chemistry to me. So when I come around, I release that dopamine in your brain. And you don't get that from nobody else. And it feels wonderful. It feels good. You can be mad at me. This happens. I've done this for years. Call me names, Leon. I can't stand you. You suck. You make me sick. Knock on the door. What's up, girl? Let's just get a drink. Hey, hey, hey. I know you're mad at me. I get it. I'm sorry. I know you're mad at me. Look, roll with me real quick. Makes me know. Okay, okay, she's getting dressed. I got a pocket full of money. I'm smelling good. I'm well-groomed. I did it for years. Knock on the door. I don't care if you're mad at me. I don't care if I hurt your feelings last week. I don't care if you caught me sexy. It don't matter. I'm with you right now. Let's go. I got tickets to this play. What's up? I'll be there in an hour. Okay. Boom. I did it for years. And it starts over. And it starts over. And then you try to go no contact, but you're struggling because you are faithful, not me. You don't want nobody else to touch you. You know how women get. I don't want. Them, I don't want another man touching me. Me. I don't want all the women touching me. That's how we differ. That's just one way we differ. I want them. They can all have me. I'm very promiscuous. And you, uh-uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't want nobody, nobody but Leon to touch me. I don't even want Leon to touch me. Yes, you do. Because now you bored and you miss me. And as soon as I pop up, I'm gonna have that shirt on that you bought me for Christmas. I'm going to have that cologne on you, Bob, and you want you smell that scent, and you see me, now you're like, oh, he makes me so sick, girl, but we have a ball. I have, well, I mean, I was having a great time with Leon, because I'm an outgoing, I'm a social dude. I'm a huge butterfly. You'll get everything. I'm paying for dinner, paying for liquor, paying for drinks, paying for the club, paying for the, the parties, all of that. Introduce you to my network, my network. Everybody respect me. Everybody give me high fives, hugs. You like that. It's so all of a sudden you go no contact and it's killing you. Because I'm gonna post on social media, you're gonna see me. I'm gonna make sure you know I'm out here getting it in. I ain't in the, I'm not in the bedroom curl up in the ball crying like you are. But you do it. Then I'll come by. I know when you're on your period. Look, hey, I'm gonna drop off some chocolate. And I, I get uh, don't come over there. I, look, I I'll give it to your little son, give it to your brother. Yo, man, give your sister this bag of chocolate. The best chocolate, Godiva, Lent chocolate. I know what to get. And now if you come off your period, you're on fire. I'm going to pop up again. This chick I used to date called me a jack-in-the-box. She always popped up. <laughs> like, yeah. 
I was like, man, that's kind of crude. Like, no, nah, Leon, you was crude. I'm like, I know. But yeah, I knew when to pop up. And so you on your, you off your period. You're not ov- you ovulate now. You on, your body's on fire. I'm gonna come around then. So that no contact is a struggle for you, not for me. Because you go no struggle, you no go no contact with me. I'm gonna find somebody else to replace you. I need. I have. A, I'm addicted to you too. I'm addicted to the fun and the sex and all that. So I gotta get that. Just like with you, you're close to the boss in your bedroom and cry all day. Not me. I'm gonna replenish. So what happens so no, if she goes no contact and she's staying no contact? I didn't like that. That happened to me. I, that, so that reverse no contact. I didn't like talking about it, but we're gonna talk about it. I hated that. Why? It's like that look because it's like so. The first thing that happens when you do when you go no contact and you stay no contact, the narcissist mind, the person thinks that you're doing what they're doing. There's somebody else. You gotta be seeing somebody else. You must be dating somebody else. I knew you wasn't good. I knew you were cheating. No, I'm doing all that. But it's like, man, she's strong. She and I can't get to her no more. She's slipping away. She got somebody else. Even if she don't have anybody else, she's slipping away and I'm losing control. Because I'm addicted to you just like you're addicted to me. You never hear me say that to them. I would never say that. Women always say, I'm just so addicted to you. I'm like, yeah, I know. But in, inside, I was like, girl, you have no idea. I'm addicted to you too, but I'm not going to tell you that. Ain't going to happen. But if you stick to the no contact, you win. You got to stick. You got to stay strong. Because when you do that, I'm coming back around. I'm going to skate by your job. I'm going to leave a note on your car window. I'm going to call your mother and check on your mama because she's going to tell you, Leon called me. I'm going to do everything. I don't like you going no contact. Oh, no, that's too much like being discarded as a kid. That's the injury. You let make me think about when I was 11 years old. Uh-uh, we're not doing that. Baby, let's talk. Nope, Leon. Hey, look, I'm coming up and bringing some breakfast. Nope, Leon. Hey, I'm going to send Uber bringing. Nope, Leon. You got to tell me no. You got to tell me no because I ain't going to quit. I ain't, uh, no, I don't like, Nazi people don't like losing. It hurts too bad. But the best thing you can do is stay no contact and be strong. Okay, so in, in the no contact, well, okay, let's just say she's no contact, Leon, and you don't like it. Like, damn, like she done picked up a little, you know, respect for herself and leaving me alone for real. Right, Are you, right. Are you still out here moving around with other women, though? Yeah, because I got to replace that pain. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I can't, oh, no, no, you can't just go no contact me and then, and leave me out here a little, I'm a little kid. I'm 11 years old mentally. Emotionally, I'm like 10, 11 years old, okay? Mm-hmm. My emotional growth stopped at 11. So you go no contact. I'm like, I need the milk. I need, where you at? What you doing? You know, now my feelings hurt. So I go, I go find another supply, but I'm not happy. That's what I tell women. She's like, well, Leon, I see him taking pictures on Facebook. He ain't happy. He just want to hurt you again. So you come out of no contact. You go, okay, Leon, time out, time out. You need to stop dating these other women. I'm a, I'll call you. I'll be up. Okay. Well, don't play because you because I I can go get somebody else faster than you can. You can, but morally you're not gonna do it. I don't have no morals. Yeah. So I stopped dating you Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm gonna I might flirt with your aunt. I'm gonna do anything I can to get your attention, hurt your feelings, and get you to stop. You no, know, get out of no contact. And once you get my attention and I come back. The you cycle starts forever. all over. Yeah, because now, how dare you make me wait? Hey, everybody. I know this episode is getting really good, but I kind of wanted to keep it at least an hour. I'm going to drop part two of this in a couple of days. I'm going to give you guys 
a day or two to just digest all that you have heard from Leon Walker. This brother is keeping it 100% real about the life and the movements and the person of a narcissistic man, a man who has narcissistic personality disorder. And let me just say this. You could take everything that he has said in this episode and apply it to a woman that is narcissistic and it would be absolutely dead on. I hope you all are enjoying this episode. He is saying a lot. It gets better. In two days, I will drop part two. You guys can go back and finish up the episode and I will definitely have three things at the end of part two. See you in a couple of days. Hey, everybody. If you are a frequent listener of These Three Things podcast and you haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts yet, what are you waiting for? Go right now, Apple Podcast, and leave a review and tell me what you loved about this episode or tell me about your favorite episode or something that you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks.